good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Welcome to Restoration Church. Uh, my name is Dan Brown. I am one of the elders here at Restoration, and Pastor Kevin and Samantha are actually getting ready to head over to Europe this week. He's going to be at a church planning conference over there. So he asked me if I would preach this week, and Jim Herring is going to be continuing on the series we've been doing on the art of neighboring um, next week. So it's, it's my privilege to be here and have an opportunity just to share a few things with you that um, God's kind of laid on my heart this week about the art of neighboring. And just a little bit of review, just to remind you uh, where we've been or fill you in if you haven't had a chance to be here the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, Kevin uh, started this series on the art of neighboring, about what it means for us as followers of Jesus Christ to really be a good neighbor to the people that are around us and, and how we can learn and improve and grow in just loving our neighbor as ourselves, because that's one of the things we're commanded to. So a couple weeks ago, Kevin kicked that off by talking about the great commandment. And that's where someone comes to Jesus, one of the, the teachers of the law, and he says to Jesus, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, there's two. Number one, love God with everything that you are, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like that, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Kevin talked about what that means and how, you know, the thing that he's been tying through this whole series is that for us, loving God can't be separated from loving our neighbor. If we are really going to be people who truly love God with all that we are, we have to be people who know how and are actively working at loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and being good at that. So that was two weeks ago. Last week, Kevin talked about the story of the Good Samaritan and answering the question that someone else came and asked Jesus of who is my neighbor? And, and Kevin made the point of telling us that our neighbor is anyone that God brings across our path. So everybody that we come in contact with every day comes under that definition by what Jesus said of being someone who is our neighbor. And the way that we love them is by seeing where their needs are, seeing where they're hurting them, and, and showing them compassion and, and caring for them. And so that's kind of where we've been the last couple of weeks. And so this morning... Kevin asked me to talk to you about one of the big obstacles that comes up when, when it comes to this idea of neighboring. And, you know, for me, as I get ready to talk about this, it kind of starts with um, last Sunday night in our life group. We were talking about, you know, the, what, what Kevin had talked about on Sunday morning. And, and the question, one of the questions we talked about was, you know, when is a time that God's brought somebody across your path and you, you knew a way that you could show them love, but you've kind of failed at doing that, failed at, at being a good neighbor. Um, and we kind of went around and we were talking about that. And as I was thinking about it, the, the most recent example that I could think of is in my job. Um, my, my job right now that I have, I'm a driver for a, a, a company called Schwann's. And so I drive, I drive a truck, truck around. Most of the time it's over on the other side of Menashtash Ridge and Ellensburg and on up to Easton and all that. And... So it's, it's basically, you know, going door to door to all the different customers on my route and, and selling frozen food to them. But it's not just about selling food. It's also about the relationships that we build. But one of the frustrating parts of my job sometimes is our day, we're, we're on our route system for about nine hours. And so it's like three, three hour time windows that, that our whole day is broken up into. And so we have so many customers in each time window. And some of the fullest days that we have, some of us, we can have 30 customers that we have to see in three hours. So let's do the math on that. 30 customers in three hours, so you see 10 people an hour. 
So how long does that give you to be with each customer that you've got? Six minutes. I have six minutes to be with each person. And that's not, and these people aren't all in the same area. So that means I have six minutes to get in my truck, drive to the next house, which probably isn't right next door. It's probably, you know, a couple minute drive to get there. Get out of the house, go up to the door. If they're home, take their order, go back to the truck, pull their order off my truck, go back into their house, you know, do the payment part of the transaction, and then get back my truck and drive to the next house. To do that 30 times in three hours is sometimes virtually impossible. One of my coworkers is here, and he's, he's nodding right now. Um, but that's kind of the nature of the job some days. Not every day is like that, but there are some days where it's just, you, you look at your manifesting in the day, and you just say, this is impossible. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But the, the frustrating thing and the way that sometimes I know I fail is that there are some of those people that for them, it's about a lot more than just getting their food that day. They need somebody to talk to. It's a lot of, you know, older people that live by themselves and maybe don't get a lot of people who will come and interact with them and and spend time talking with them and really care about them. And so one of our goals, and we talk about this at, at our depot, is we want for each of our customers, we want to be the highlight of their day. You know, the thing that they look forward to once every two weeks when we come to their house. And it's not just about getting them their food. And sometimes it means just taking a couple extra minutes to talk to them. Sometimes it's saying, hey, you know, can I take that food and can I, can I help you fit that into your freezer and, and do that for you? And there are times where I'm just like, I know that that's what i got to do, but I know I've also got 25 more stops that I have to see before 2 o'clock, and I don't have time to stick your food in your freezer. And, I, and so there, there's that, that struggle and that, that tension because I'm, just, I'm so busy during the day, it's hard to find the time to love my neighbor. And each one of those people that God brings across my path as I'm doing my job every day is, you know, according to what Kevin told us last week, those people are my neighbor. And my call is to figure out how, in the context of all that I'm doing, how to love them. But sometimes with all the busyness, it's really tough. And that's an excuse not just for me. I think that's probably an excuse we all use when it comes to truly loving other people, the loving our neighbor, the art of neighboring is sometimes we just say, I'm too busy to really reach out and to care about and, and, and to love other people. I just, I don't have time for that. You know, and I think we all struggle with that from time to time. And saying, we're, we're, we're too busy. You know, we have so much to get done today and we're so focused on our tasks and the things we have to accomplish. We don't stop and, and take the time to love our neighbor the way that God's called us to. And this morning, what I want to help us try and think about and approach and and learn from from God's Word is how we can shift our focus from just being busy to living with an eternal perspective, to living with that perspective that God wants us to have of loving God through loving other people. And we're going to do that this morning as we look at the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. So if you want to turn there, we'll have the verses up on the screen as we get there as well. But in Luke chapter 10, we're going to see a contrast. We're going to see a contrast between two women in in this story. One of them is she is consumed with busyness and one who is focused on Jesus. And my prayer this morning is that as we look at that story, that we're going to see that we have to be close to Jesus to know what he wants us to do. But too often, 
the busyness of life gets in the way of that. So let's pray, and then we'll look at Luke chapter 10. Father God, thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for the privilege you've given me of being the the one that has the opportunity to share your word this morning. And I pray that your spirit would just communicate your truth to each one that's here this morning, that we would hear what you want us to hear, that our hearts and our lives would be changed and transformed, not because of my words or anything that I say, but because of the power of your word and your spirit that is going to be at work here this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 38 to 42. So follow along with me as I read. And now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think as we read this story, if you're like me, it's easy to identify with Martha. You know, she's there, she's, she's in her home, and she's distracted with much serving. She's got a lot of things to do. And it's easy to get distracted and, and drawn away from all that's going on. For Martha, I think she was probably in that mindset of, I have more things to do to get this meal on the table for Jesus than I have time to do it, if I want to really do it and get it done the way that I want to get it done. And I think we all struggle with that. And, you know, honestly, we probably all think we shouldn't be struggling with that. I mean, you think about all the things that have happened in the world, all the advances of technology. You know, I mean, each one of us now walks around with a little a computer in our hands, the kind of computer that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, you, you were lucky to, the desktop computers you had back then couldn't do the things your smartphone can do today. And that's supposed to save us time. You know, we have robotic vacuum cleaners you can just turn on and they'll vacuum your house and you don't have to do anything. You got just all kinds of technological advances that were all supposed to save us time. I mean, so much so that there was a report um, in 1930. There was an economist, a guy by the name of John Maynard Keynes, and he wrote an essay. The title of his essay that he wrote in 1930 was The Economic Probabilities for Our Grandchildren. And and what what Keynes predicted was that by the time his grandchildren grew up, which would be, you know, about about now, maybe 10, 15 years ago, but he predicted that sometime around, you know, the turn of the century, a little bit after that, that the average work week would probably be about 15 hours. Think about that. So 15 hours, that would be two days, okay? How many of you would vote for a two-day work week and a five-day weekend? I mean, I'm there. I I would love to have that. That would be awesome. How many of you have a two-day work day, work week and a five-day weekend? Yeah, uh, not me. Definitely not. It it doesn't happen that way. it, It hasn't worked out. You know, I mean, if we had that, if you had five days where you didn't have to worry about work, think about how easy the art of neighboring would be to go and to build relationships with people and to love them and and to care about them. But that's 
not the reality we live in. We should have all this free time according to you know, the economist, but we don't. What happens? We fill up whatever time we've saved because of the advances in technology with other things. So we fill it up with other things that make us busy. You know, our jobs give us, you know, we can do this task in less time. So instead of just saying, well, you finished your job, no, we'll give you more things to do to fill up your, you know, 40, 50, 60 hour work week, whatever it is. We, we fill up the extra time, that free time we were supposed to have, ends up being filled up with more stuff to do. So this morning, I want us to look and we're going to see what we can learn from Mary and Martha that can help us with our busy lives and help us to change that focus. So a few things to know, just a little bit of background as we get into the story of Mary and Martha here. What do we know about Mary and Martha? Well, first of all, church tradition tells us, this, we're not going to find this in the Bible, but church tradition tells us that Martha was the older sister. And apparently it's, it, the, what's been handed down in church tradition is that Martha was widowed, and so she took in, after her husband died, she took in her younger brother and sister, and they came to live with her um, under her care. Um, we also know from the Bible that they lived in Bethany, um, just outside of Jerusalem. And they're mentioned three times in Scripture. This is the only time that, that uh, Mary and Martha are mentioned in the book of Luke, but they're also mentioned twice in, in the book of John. Um, if you remember the story in, in the book of John, chapter 11, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus was Martha's younger brother. And so Jesus went to their home another time, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then in John chapter 12, Jesus goes to their home again for another dinner, and that is where um, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with perfume. So those are the three times that we see them um, in the Scriptures. But in our passage this morning... What's happened is Martha has now welcomed Jesus into her home. Um, she's invited him in. And Jesus has come into Bethany. He's this up-and-coming rabbi, this great teacher, that there's a lot of buzz about him. People are thinking, you know, he, he's got this following. There's this, this group of disciples that are following around. People are, are even talking, you know, maybe he's the Messiah. He might be the, the, the one, the chosen one that that's, that's God's going to send to, to set us free as a nation. And so Martha's brought him into her home, she's invited him in, and now she's busy preparing this meal for the one who might be the Messiah. And while Martha's busy working, her sister, her younger sister Mary, is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching. So put yourself for a second in Martha's shoes. You know, how would you feel? You've invited this probably the greatest, most important guest you have ever had. You've invited this person into your home for a meal. And you're, in your mind, I'm sure you are wanting every little thing of that meal to be exactly right. You want it to be just lined out perfectly. And so you are working as hard as you can to make the meal as wonderful and as perfect and everything, you know, each course come out right on time, you know, all the place settings just so, the, the whole bit. And your sister, who you, I'm sure, would have expected to be right by your side doing everything to help you, where is she? You turn around, you know, expect Mary to be right there to, to carry a dish out with you, and where is she? She's nowhere to be found. She's there at the feet of Jesus, just sitting there, listening to him. It seems like she's doing nothing. What emotion are you feeling? You know, you're, you're, you're frustrated. You, you start to get angry. You start to get upset. And that frustration rises 
And finally, she goes to Jesus, and she, she, she asks Jesus for help to get Mary to, to help her out. And so Martha comes, and she asks Jesus to get Mary to help. And, and look what Jesus says in verse 42. And I love how, it's the New Living Translation. I love how they translate this. Jesus says, There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. See, Mary had discovered the importance of being close to Jesus. So this morning, I want us to look at three differences between Mary and Martha. Three differences that help Mary understand why it was so important for her to be close to Jesus. And how in being close to Jesus, we, when we understand that, we understand that by being close to Jesus, we can know what Jesus wants us to do in terms of loving our neighbor. Because there's, let's be honest, you know, when you think about loving your neighbor, there are countless ways and countless needs out there that we could try to meet. How can you know what way God is calling you to love the person that God's going to bring across your path tomorrow? The only way you can know what God's going to call you to do to love that person is if you are close to Jesus and you are in fellowship with Him and you are listening to Him and allowing Him to lead you and guide you in how you love that person. And that's what I think Mary discovered when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that helps clear away a lot of the busyness of life. So I want to look at three differences between Mary and Martha that helped Mary discover what was most important. And the first thing there was is there was a difference in focus. Mary and Martha each had a different focus on this day at this meal. If you look at the definition of what it means to be focused on something, focus is defined as a central point as of attraction, attention, or activity. And for Mary and Martha, they each had a different thing that their attention was focused on, their attention was centered on. For Martha, she was centered on serving. It was all about getting the meal outright. She was excited. She had Jesus at her house. She had this important guest and she wanted everything to be just right. Because that was, that was her role as the, 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 the head of this household. Her role was to get that meal out and to prepare it for, for the special guests that, that she had. And, and we've all met people like that. People who spend all their time being busy. But sometimes being busy doing things becomes a a wall or a shield or something that we put up to keep us from having to build relationships and to, 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 to save us from some of the vulnerability that we're going to have to have as we have in, in relationships with other people. And we can get too busy to build relationships. We can get too busy to love other people. But like Kevin has been telling us for the last two weeks, there can be no separation between loving God and loving our neighbor. In fact, back in the book of Matthew, Jesus pretty much says exactly that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 44. Listen to the words of Jesus. He's talking about the final judgment. 
Jesus says, And when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Listen, these are all ways that we love our neighbor. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Jesus tells us in no uncertain terms, when we love other people, we are demonstrating our love for God. Through loving others, we are loving God. And that is what we are called to do. Loving our neighbor is loving God. So don't get so busy in your life that you don't have time for people or you don't have time for building relationships. One of my greatest struggles when I was, um, before I became a driver for Schwann's, I was a pastor for about 20 years um, in about three, three different churches up and down the West Coast. And, and one of my struggles that I struggled with most all the time that I was in ministry was this idea of being so busy, because on a Sunday morning as a pastor, there are so many little things that you have to do, that you have to get accomplished. You want to make sure they're all just right. And it was a constant struggle for me not to be so focused on all the, the details that needed to happen on a Sunday morning that I didn't forget about the people that I was called to pastor and to minister to and to love. And, and it, it, it can be a struggle, but we have to keep that focus on Jesus and remembering that as we focus on him and we're loving him, we need to be loving other people and making sure that the people are more the focus than the tasks and the things that, we have, that we're called to accomplish. And, and, and service isn't a bad thing. You know, please don't take this message as like, hey, don't ever serve. We don't want to do that. We just want to love people. We need to serve. Service is not a bad thing. The problem comes when service becomes our focus instead of God. I mean, the, the word that used here in the Greek for service is diakonon. It's the same Greek word that's used for the idea of a deacon. When, when, when the, the writers of the epistles later talk about the different offices in the church and the office of a deacon, it's the same root word in the Greek. So there's nothing wrong with serving. We need to serve. God has called us and created us to be people who serve and use our gifts and our talents and our abilities in service for Him. But the focus of our serving, the center of our attention, should not be on what we do. It should be on who we're serving and why we're doing it. Not on the tasks. The focus needs to be Christ. And we need to serve as he leads us and as he's equipped us to serve. See, Martha had the Lord of the universe at her house. He was there 
Jesus was in her house teaching. But she was too busy to stop and listen and to hear what he had to say. But where was her sister? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. She heard his words. And she listened. So where is your focus? That's the first question this morning. Is it on serving? Is it on doing? Or is your focus on the word of Jesus? And loving him and loving other people. Mary was focused on Jesus and on his word. And we have to be close to Jesus to know what he wants us to do. Because too often the business of life can get in the way of that. So the second difference between Mary and Martha that we see in this story is that there was a difference in their fellowship with Christ. Where was Mary in this story? What was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not figuratively. She was literally sitting at Jesus' feet. Stop and think about that. Our Lord, our Savior, the one who died on the cross and gave his life for us. She had the privilege to literally sit at his feet and listen to him as he taught. She wanted to be as close to him as she could be to hear what he was going to say. And so she came and she sat in the place of one receiving instruction, wanting to make sure that she heard everything that he had to say. This morning for each of us, is that our desire? Do we really want to be that close to Jesus? Are you as close to Jesus this morning as you want to be? James chapter 4, verse 8. Um, Jesus' half-brother James writes, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. How close you are to Jesus, it comes down to your priorities. What's truly important to you? For Mary Fellowship with Christ in that moment was the priority in her life. What is the priority in your life? Is it fellowship with Jesus? Or is it something else? Because look back at Martha. Martha, as we've said before, she's busy serving. But her serving, her tasks have drawn her away from Jesus. She'd invited Jesus into her home because I'm sure her heart was in the right place. Her intentions were good. She probably, when she invited him in, was anxious to to be with him and to hear what he had to say. But in the moment, she had so much to do, she'd forgotten why she invited him in. She was so busy. So many other things had become important. She was drawn away from the one she needed to hear the most. And so even then, in the midst of her busyness, she was convinced that she was doing the right thing. She was, she was doing, her heart was in the right place, but her focus was wrong. Because she, she thought so much that she was doing the right thing that she thought Jesus was going to be on her side. She thought Jesus would be pleased with her for doing all the right things. For all the good she was doing. So listen to her question. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. In Greek, the tone of that question makes it clear. She fully expected Jesus to agree with her and to be on her side. 
She thought Jesus was going to come to her aid and chastise Mary for just sitting at his feet and listening. There's nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. The meal needed to be prepared. But she was more concerned about what her sister was doing. She was thinking, here I am. I'm doing all this work. And she's not doing anything. But the reality of it was Mary was doing something. She was doing the more important thing. She was listening to Jesus and sitting at his feet and hearing his words. Because she understood that we have to be close to Jesus to know what he wants us to do. And too often the business of life gets in the way of that. So the final thing that we have to know is that there was a difference in their feelings. What does Jesus say in verse 41? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. The New Living Translation says it this way, My dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. Martha was upset. She was anxious. She was worried. And when we don't draw near to Jesus, that's often the result. That's when we have worry, anxiety. We get upset in our lives. I mean, think about it. Here was Martha. She had the one that they call the Prince of Peace in her home. But she was far from peaceful. Contrast that with Mary. The Bible doesn't tell us much about how Mary was feeling, if anything at all. But all we know is that she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was focused on Him. She was focused on His words. And I think we can be pretty confident that she was feeling peace. How can I say that? Because the Bible also tells us in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Jesus says that Mary is focused on the one thing, the most important thing, the thing that matters. Yeah, life is hectic. Yes, there is a lot to do. Yeah, we can get stressed out and we can be worried about all things. But there's one thing that is necessary, and that's for us to be people who are close to Jesus. Mary understood that. But Martha was too busy. And what would it have really mattered in the grand scheme of things if dinner had been a few minutes late? If she stopped and she took the time to be close to Jesus and to hear His words. So let's bring this back. Kind of wrap it all up here at the end. Bring it all back to this idea of of neighboring. How, How do we cut through the clutter and the busyness of life and find the time to love our neighbors. It has to start with for us just like it did for Mary with having our focus today on Jesus. Having our focus every day on Jesus. On being close to Him. On allowing Him to show us what it is that He wants us to do. How He wants us to love our neighbors. Because we can be busy doing, we can be busy doing a hundred really good things. But if our focus is in the wrong place, if we're not doing those things out of a love for God and a love for other people, if we're just doing them because we think it's a good thing and it's going to 
you know, people are going to look at us in a better way or, you know, we're going to feel better about ourselves. If our motives are wrong, if our focus is wrong, then the things that we're doing are worthless. I think Kevin made this point last week when he looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, just look at the first few verses when Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You can do a thousand great things, but if it's not out of a love for God and a love for other people, it's worthless. That's what Paul says. Jesus 100% would agree. The thing that matters is our focus on Jesus, our love for him, and through our love for him, loving other people. And by being close to him, he will show us and guide us and direct us in how to love our neighbors. So we need to slow down sometimes from the business of life. Take time daily to center our focus on Christ, on loving Him, on our fellowship with Him. And allow Him to show us what He wants us to do and to show us how He wants us to love our neighbor. Let's pray. Father God, this is a hard thing sometimes to apply in our lives. There is so much to do around us. So many ways that we can be distracted away from what is truly important. This morning I pray that we would be people like Mary who even in the midst of everything that's going on around us can stop and sit at your feet and listen to your words. To focus on you to allow our love for you to grow and blossom in our hearts. And as our love for you grows, that that will spill over into our love for our neighbors. God, and as we have our focus on you, help us to trust you to lead us and guide us in how you want us to love our neighbors. That it's not just about doing a bunch of tasks just to accomplish something. But it's really about knowing how you want us to love others. To show them the kind of love and compassion that you would show them. Because we are here today, God, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as the ones that you have placed on this earth. To show your love to those around us that are hurting, to those that are in need. So God, help us to know how you want to love others through us. Because that's what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name.